0: Well, because I got my first tattoo, my brain is only focused <laughs> on tattoos right now.
1: It be like that.
0: It do be like that. Like I understand why they're addicting now. That's why I have ten. They <laughs> hurt, but it's like it's everything you said. It's a work of art, and it's just like it's kind of like birthing a child. It hurts, and then you see the finished product and you forget
1: what was all that about tweet it. Tweet I shared the other day. Hold on, I'm pulling it up. Uh, tattoos are simply the stickers for the hydro flask that is your body. <laughs>
0: it's true it's very true um but with that said I know I'm thinking about different tattoos and me and you have talked about different tattoos at some point but the question is and you can't say it's struts because okay. I know you have a struts tattoo but if you can choose any other artist what which artist won and what do you think that tattoo would be
1: this is easy because I've been thinking about it I really want to tailor a tattoo and the hard part is deciding which lyrics because she has some damn good lyrics. Um, I set myself up for that and then didn't have an answer. I think the one that comes to mind is I've had the time of my life fighting dragons with you. That's a good one. From uh Long Live on Speak Now. But also I really love the folklore aesthetic and the folklore font. So I'm like, mm-hmm. do I get a folklore lyric in the folklore font? Folklore, evermore font mm-hmm. and if I did that it would be um, there's so many good lyrics this is so hard actually I don't know if I get a font I think I would get a tiny mirror ball oh that's a good one yeah
0: that's a real good one so I've also been thinking about this and because for me like I'm more imagery based I even though my tattoo is yellow rose with some words on it but I really love imagery um so i know that's like pretty much what i'm gonna do for a lot of my tattoos is more imagery with words sporadically but with that said it leaves a lot of like band logos which for some reason like i'm just like n- like no I c- logos I-, I can't do it I-, I just can't do it and so i know there's like the under has this O oh, with the it's like the the norwegian o with the slash through yeah. it and then they changed that to a u with the slash through it i can't do that i can't do that and then there's other that was just like an example and then there's like there's other bands that have like the used has a logo things like that i don't think i can do that what i am thinking about though when i was at the tattoo shop rob um had a uh the fence from cohen and cambria and i was like mm. i saw it on his hand i was like yo Coheed and cambria and we were talking about them and for those who know i have like i love Coheed and cambria um mainly it's just a band with a lot of good memories for me as a kid i really don't listen to a lot of their newer stuff but a lot of their older stuff was like on repeat for me and they're from my area so that helps too but i don't think i'd get the fence tattoo because it's very it's like the harry potter like triangle let me get
1: a deathly hallow statue yeah. which i almost did at 18 thank god i did not yeah
0: right and um and i'm like i don't think i can do that but i am thinking about on their first album uh second blade term uh second stage turn blind turn bind blade second stage turbine blade um they have this dragonfly that they used to use for their logo and i think if i was to do a band one it would be a dragonfly like disguised in other elements yeah so i would know what it meant but you could it would still look like something that it, it wouldn't just be a you know it, it would be just it could a dragonfly. Have dual purpose yeah yeah so that's my answer nice and with that i'm Ann. and i'm leah and this is she will rock you tattoo edition <laughs> Where are they getting a dump in a CPS executive meeting? Mean, I mean, no. Bitch, don't touch my <laughs> thermostat. the ghost be like, pull up before I haul you. Let me turn down the thermostat. Who <laughs> is this
1: man? We're on page one, guys. <laughs> this is She Will You.
0: You think there's ever going to be an episode? Okay, I'm pitching this right now. Okay. We go to Dreamwalker Tattoo, God. which is our spot. Me and Leah both get tattoos here. I make it sound like we've been doing that for years. You I make just it sound th-
1: like you have a bunch of tattoos. <laughs>
0: correct but it is now my tattoo spot i'm just saying we go and we set up our equipment and we get our sweary tattoo that we've been talking about while recording a podcast episode and it's a bonus episode so we like like we do for our band episodes we just talk we just while we get our tattoos
1: it's like it's like a drunk special but it's really just us in pain yeah yeah
0: i because let me tell you when i was in pain the comedy was a flowing
1: Dude. like i like, like don't like to talk i just I I was, and i like stare at something on the wall so. i think
0: i was funny but like you know who knew but that that's what i use to mask the pain is comedy
1: i just stare. in my life
0: well i enjoyed watching it like i was actually when, oh
1: i cannot look at the oh needle no on when he skin. was getting
0: to shading like i didn't watch for the outline part because i saw how fast that needle was moving i was like better i don't look when we got to the shading part like i was watching his technique and i was like oh that's really cool like i was seeing like how it was working like a paintbrush and
1: yeah i will when it's on my skin i will not i'm the same way if i get like blood drawn or a shot i just cannot look at it going in my arm yeah
0: see i can look at my blood gain drawn no problem
1: i'll watch the blood but it's the it's the needle i can watch that needle needles i'll watch it going to other people yeah
0: but it it was really cool i liked watching the art happen yeah uh me and zach the tattoo artist we were just talking about like the process and it was really it was a really cool moment for me. But anyway, we it's should do that. It's not a tattoo podcast. But no, yes. it's not. But that would be a fun episode. If you would like to see that, let us know on Twitter or Instagram. And if we get a lot of asks, let's say what? Twenty. 50.
1: Or you can send us money and we'll go get a tattoo. Send us tattoo <laughs> funds. Send us tattoo funds. So we can get a Shiwa you lightning bolt tattoo. Yes. There we each, go. Each. So. Yes. We need like 200 bucks.
0: <laughs> and we will record the process. Yes.
1: Anyway, we're not here to, to, to do discuss that.
0: No, we are not.
1: Um, I guess the only business. Leave us a review. There <laughs> you Buy go. Buy our merch. We have merch. Like, we don't talk about it enough at the front of the show. It gets stuck at the end of the show, but we have some pretty sweet ass merch. We do.
0: We do.
1: It's Just go to our website, com. There's a link. You can find it. Um, no, we are here today because, uh, I don't, I, people are reading this episode description. They're like, why the fuck did she choose the Spice Girls when this is a rock history podcast? And to that I say, this is our show. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. That's right. I like to break the rules. I'm probably broken the rules more than you
0: You literally are just like, (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to do a rule breaker. And then three months later, I think I'm going to do a rule breaker.
1: (laughs) I just needed something that wasn't depressing after the Fighters and- Spice Girls have been on my list for a while because they are the band that indoctrinated all of us millennial feminists when we were six. Uh, Under our parents' noses, may I just say. our parents bought us the CD. It's their fault. Yeah, correct. So in my opinion, for our generation, there is no other female artist that like defined our growing up era like our our baby years correct
0: on the on the elementary yes kindergarten to second grade we were
1: all bopping to wannabe we didn't know what it meant no but we were just we were there did you ever on
0: the school play field like in elementary I'm sorry in kindergarten first to second grade did you and your friends ever decide who was which spice girl?
1: yes and everyone fought over it yes. I always wanted to be Posh Spice, but now I realize I am Sporty Spice. (laughs) But I wanted to be Victoria so bad. Um, So, in the nature of our podcast, I was like, we're going to cover the Spice Girls. And honestly, even though I feel like I I know of them and I know about them, I didn't really know about them. Yeah. Because I was too young to watch the formation, like... Other bands that I'm aware of, like I've been alive to see them form and like grow to frame, but I was very young when this band came about. So let us talk about the Spice Girls. And this is clearly different than our normal layout. Like no one's playing instruments. No one started playing guitar at the age of five. Like right. they're just there. So it's it's a little it's a little good, a little good shake up shake up. And um, we got some tea that happens Ooh. things just happen in this this story so let's get it started we're gonna start the story with jerry howell she's born in august 1972 which makes her turning 50 this year Ooh. she grew up in a little dingy neighborhood in watford england and she grew up super poor and would tell these elaborate lies to her school friends to impress them because she wanted to be like she loved the attention um, She would tell people she was born on a plane or that they had sheep in her back garden or <laughs> that her mom was famous or like just, you know, I understand this. Yeah. Little kid lies. Um, And she just wanted to be famous from the time she can remember. Basically, her father took her to a talent agency when she was six, um, but he didn't ask her mother's permission to do so. Uh-oh. So, as soon as they got back, her mom was like, absolutely not. You will be the next Judy Garland. You have to wait until you're 16 to do anything in, like, the entertainment industry. Mm. So, um, by the time she was 16, she was like, I'm ready to do this. And the moment she turned 16, she was like, bye. So, we're going to pause Jerry for a second and jump over to Mel C, Mel Chisholm, (laughs) because they are the first two Spice Girls to kind of come into this fray mel grew up in a broken home in liverpool i'm losing my voice because i laughed so hard in the fucking <laughs> uh sex Pistols episode it do be fun <coughs> and for her music was an escape she grew up listening to her mom's motown and stevie wonder records and just dreamed of being up on stage so we're gonna pause mel and jump over to what's happening in london at the time in the early 1990s bob and chris herbert they're a father and son duo. They own heart management. And they're like, you know who's hot right now? In sync in the backstreet, boys. Mm. You know what we should do? Make a girl version. What an intelligent thought. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, let's do it. So they get a financial backer because if you're going to make a super corporate mega group, you got to have money. Correct. His name's Chick Murphy. You got to be sponsored by Coca-Cola or something like they that. They will be. Just wait. They are sponsored mm-hmm. by so many brands. Um, and so they, they dream up this vision of this act that brings together five strikingly different girls who would each appeal to a different audience. Great. They actually thought through other than mm-hmm. they're hot. Right. So props to them. And so in February, 1994, they, decide to place an ad in a, like, low-budget trade paper called The Stage, asking for singers to audition for this all-female band. So by th- the time this ad shows up in the paper, Jerry and Mel C. had made their way to London, and they were freaking broke. Like, they had no money. They didn't know each other, but they mm. were living very similar lives. Like, Mel auditioned for things for a year straight and never got a call back. hmm Jerry lived from the time when she turned 16 to the time Mm. she was 20 when this was happening. She lived in 16 different addresses. Oh, God. In four years. That's moving like four times a year. Yeah. Wow. It's because she couldn't afford to stay at the places she was staying at. Right. Um, And she lived in some really sketchy situations like living in a car or living on someone's couch or just like sleeping on benches. Yeah. Um, But she was really too proud to ask her parents for help because this is what she wanted more than anything right and they kind of were like you won't be able to do it so in march of 1984 the two of them saw an ad for streetwise and ambitious females (laughs) in the stage and so melanie was like you know what i'm gonna do it so she did it and she auditions with a version of i'm so excited nice um and at this point jerry who's been trying so hard to be famous since she was 16, has already tried out (laughs) being a Turkish talk show host.
0: Oh, nice. I don't know why.
1: Okay, She's not Turkish. She's British. A nude model. Okay. And an exotic dancer. So this was going to be her final shot at making it before she kind of gave up. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to make an impression. So she walks in this room for audition and she cannot really sing. Her audition tape is bad, like not great at all. But she just had this stage presence and this commanding personality that they were like, we can work with that. Right. We're going to make something happen here. And so the two of them get hired. They have to go through multiple rounds of auditions to come up with the other band members. Like, unsurprisingly, this cheap newspaper did not bring the best talent pool hmm, <laughs> to who the game. Have thought? um so a couple we- i think like two months go by before they find the other three so they finish out the group with melanie brown mel b victoria adams later beckham um who they were the four of them are about 18 19 ish mm-hmm. and then they finish the group with 16 year old emma button i didn't know she was 16 She's 16 wow so they were like we have this group and they give them the working name touch
0: i don't like that no a man
1: came up with that a man did catch. i'm just
0: saying backstreet boys in sync classic but then it comes to females and it's like what is the most sexual thing most innuendo
1: based thing that we can think of touch 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 um and so they put them into music industry boot camp they start rehearsals around the clock non-stop um, because like I said, none of these girls are particularly talented. They're there. <laughs> They're there. They, they very quickly were like, you know what? Backstreet boys aren't talented either. <laughs> we can make this work. It was, the band was less about skill and more about attitude Yeah. and message. Um, and then, so I watched the VH1 behind the special and there was some journalists cause you know, there's just random people in the documentary all the time and one girl just... The greatest quote I've ever heard. If those girls were the best, you kind of wonder what other girls auditioning must have been like. Oh my like. god. <laughs> this is very much
0: a Sex Pistols origin story. No, no. It's aesthetic based.
1: The parallels are very weird. <laughs> That's odd. Actually, after hearing the story. um, So... that But that was the idea. That was the charm behind the Spice Girls was that mm-hmm. these girls were just like me and you and every girl out there on the street. Like... They're normal. They're approachable. They're nothing special. Mm-hmm. So in the spring of 94, they move all the girls into a house in London to put them into this this boot camp. They go. They undergo constant vocal, dance, and songwriting coaching. They would perform small showcases here and there like as they progressed. And these are just all over the fucking place because they don't have a theme. They don't know what they're doing. They're all just still trying to learn dance steps. Um, and one of these showcase performances, the group added a rap section to a song for, like, literally no reason. The songwriter got so mad that they made this change without asking, that they were like, nope, you're going to songwriting lessons. If you're going to do this, you got to do it properly. Yeah. And during one of those songwriting sessions, they wrote a song called Sugar and Spice, which Um. inspired the name Spice Girls. So let's go back to this house that they're all living at. The theory here, which was you know created by men of heart management of course was that if they lived together they would be creating a sisterhood and really bond together like sisterhood of traveling pants yes but what happens when you put five 19 to 15 year old girls together in a house cat screeches all around also none of them had ever lived alone except for like the four years that uh jerry was basically homeless um and no one knows how to cook no one knows how to clean. Uh-oh. No one knows how to do laundry. So it's just like disgusting pigsty. There's no food in this house. But they're making it work. Like they're just existing on vibes at this point, basically. Yeah. Uh, because they have no money, no contracts, and no financial backing at this point. Which if you ask me is fucking sketchy, but okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the fin- You may remember, they have a financial backer of this project. Like that's what started this whole thing chick murphy ins- this is such a douche method of management he insisted that each of the girls were individually expendable so he didn't give them a contract to motivate them to work harder i hate that me too because they
0: would never do that with a dude no they would give him like ten thousand dollars to sign yes and then another like twenty thousand dollars
1: yes they would have believed in that this idea was gonna work um so fuck him so they go, like, months, like, almost, so they move into the house in March, we'll say it's, like, September now, They six months without a contract, but mm-hmm. they're working, like, their asses off, learning skills they don't have, and trying to make this work. Oh, and they're fighting all the oh, time. Yeah. Because yeah. they're teenage girls. Jerry and Mel C were the two strongest forces in the group, and all the girls later would say, like, if they were together on an idea, like it was full steam ahead let's go for it but if they disagreed, it was a nuclear meltdown that would halt production and like nothing would get done um you know typical teenage girl stuff right so november chris herbert heart management finally does something worthwhile this is 10 months no eight months after they've moved in together Mm -hmm. um he organizes a showcase outside of heart management so this is like for other industry professionals to kind of get a peek at what they've been doing in here and this was kind of their one-shot at success because if they didn't impress people at the showcase they were kind of going to scrap the whole idea
0: mm-hmm.
1: so you do the showcase and nothing really happens in the moment but jerry is very much the ringleader she kind of mm-hmm. makes it she's the oldest she makes decisions she's the, sh- the, f- the fiery redheaded in charge she kind of confirms her suspicions at the showcase that you know our manager sucks Mm. and we can maybe have a shot at this if we got a better manager so in january 1995 they pack up all their demo tapes don't tell anyone and sneak out of the house in the dead of night to go make it on their own oh i love that (laughs) they said fuck y'all um they somehow scraped together enough money on their unemployment checks to travel 200 miles to sheffield and they meet a guy named Elliot Kennedy, who was this fantastic, well-renowned songwriter who, for some crazy reason, agreed to take them under his wing and, like, help them out. Nice. But they still didn't have a contract. So they're like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. How are we going to do this? Um, and it was really hard for them to get a contract because it's not that they weren't pursuing getting a tr- contract. It's this is 1995. Like, boy bands are everywhere. Right. And they're doing really well. So none of the labels were want to take the risk of a, a girl band doing well. They're like, mm, we're going to stick with our tried and true formula. We're going to find four mediocre white boys and just slap them on a stage and pay them a shit of ton of money. Yeah. Um, and so that made them really mad. And they were like, you know, we're going to do something about this. So when we get signed, we're going to make this into like a girl power movement thing. Because we can do it just as well, if not better, than these boys who are getting signed. Absolutely. And this, the long search for a management finally pays off in March of 95. So they've been at this for like a full year at this point. Um, They get the attention of Simon Fuller. Oh. Who later goes on to make American Idol. Right. He knows what he's doing. And he has a vision for the girls. And within a couple months, he convinces Virgin Records to sign them. And they get to work on their first single. Um, So unlike the other pop groups, the boy bands at the time, the Spice Girls all shared their vocal rather than having, like, Justin Timberlake out here doing all the hard work and all the other boys are just, Mm -hmm. you know, bending and snapping. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because they didn't want one girl to be considered the lead singer and, like, detract attention from the others. So each song, this was decided very early in this creation process, is divided into one or two lines, um, you know, five-way harmony. They... Very early got a lot of criticism for this because they're like, well, who's the lead singer? Who do we pay attention to? It's breaking
0: the system.
1: Yeah. And they were like, no, that's not the point. We want this all in it together. Like we are one unit working together to create this one vision, which I never really thought about in depth, but it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. And I respect them for it. So very quickly they released wannabe, you know, you may have heard of it in June, 1996. And of all the bands we've covered on this show, God. Oh, say so this is the the definition of overnight success. Birthday parties were never the same. <laughs> never the same. If you and your friends were not choreographing a dance to this,
0: what were you doing? On a cassette. Yes. On a cassette. Yes. Cuz one person brought the cassette over.
1: Yes. I think I had a CD, but I I know people with the cassette. Mm-hmm. Um this was the first ever single by an all-girl group to debut at number one on the British charts, and after that, literally everything changed. Uh, the song hit number one in 37 countries, including four consecutive weeks atop the Billboard Hot 100 in the US, which made them the o- the, not only the biggest-selling debut single by an all-female group, but also, as of you know the time that I'm writing this, the biggest-selling single by an, a female group of all time.
0: Hell yeah.
1: First shot at it. Hell yeah! Right out the gate. You know those men
0: aren't doing it first shot out of the gate. No. They got to warm up. There's, Girls don't have to.
1: It's gonna be May, so they were like, "Oh, we should probably capitalize on all this momentum, and very quickly release their next single in October, which is not that soon by like today's standards. I don't think. Right. But by ni- in 1995 standards, it's it's pretty soon. Um, so in October they drop in Europe only, Say You'll Be There, which, again, skyrocketed to success. Mm -hmm. They followed that success in December by dropping To Become One, which was their first Christmas number one. It's a big thing in the UK, having a Christmas number one. Yeah. um, And selling almost half a million copies in its first week. Oh, damn. Which, that was released in December. It earned the title of fastest-selling single that year. Jeez. So, I mean, they had a matter of weeks to make that record
0: i just love that they
1: just get it off right at the beginning yeah there's no like real reason why other than simon fuller is just very good at his job correct backtracking a little bit to november they dropped their debut album called spice you know creative title and it also tops the charts and becomes an instant smash It sells 22 22 million copies worldwide in total it sold 3 million copies in britain making it the biggest selling album of all time in the UK by a female group. It's been certified 10 times platinum. Jeez, Peaked at number one for 15 non-consecutive weeks. In Europe, the album became the biggest selling album 1997 and was certified eight times platinum in that year. Holy cow. By the whatever industry does that. RCAA. No, this is the IFPI because it's oh. not the Recording Academy of America. Oh, well, yeah. You with, that um, makes sense. And they unleash a horde of screaming girls. <laughs> <laughs> Bring out the horde. But unlike the predecessors that, that got this treatment, where, you know, like the Beatles, it's not teenage girls. It's little girls. That's right. Like five, six, seven, eight ish girls because their songs aren't sexy. They're not trying to be like, go fuck a man. Mm-hmm. They're just like, you know what? You can do whatever you want. And you know what? If you want to be with me, you got to come through my friends first. Hell yeah. Um, and they were the first band to like ever do this, which I don't know why it took till 1997 to do this, but you know, whatever. Five, 1995. Um, so their lyrics promoted female empowerment and solidarity and were one of the first groups to kind of target this younger demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucy Jones of The Independent, I think that's a newspaper, said that you know their lyrics were active rather than passive they're taking grabbing things laying them down all the things that little girls were taught to never do you know stop right now thank you very much who do you think you are Mm -hmm. i'll tell you what i want what i really really want Um, and there's a book called what would the spice girls do how the girl power generation grew up that Mm. uh, found that even when the spice girls sang about romance the message is like non-committal, like you don't have to marry this dude. You can just kind of flirt with him a little bit, right? And break up with him, where everyone else in the '90s is singing about unrequited love and breakups. This love is forever. Yes, all
0: that kind of shit.
1: Like they're like, you no, know, you don't actually have to do that, man. This brings me back.
0: I just had a memory of a girl power poster I had in my room.
1: Was it from the book fair? Probably. Yeah, I think we all Scholastic. had that poster. Yeah. <laughs> This is also a 90s nostalgia podcast today, guys. Correct. Um so they they get the Beatles treatment mm-hmm. literally overnight after their first single, which they actually called Spice Mania. <laughs> and um we'll, we'll get we'll get to what that inspires. So Simon, genius man that he is, decides, okay, you're called the Spice Girls each kind of need your own personality this is after the debut album drops which I think really is fascinating yes interesting i always assumed that they came first right so we have bold red-headed large personality to jerry she mm-hmm. becomes ginger spice she's known for her bright red hair feistiness she's the one with the sex appeal and the flamboyant stage outfits um she's also deemed like the leader of the group mm-hmm. and the one that the media pays the cl- most attention to which we'll talk about in a little bit. Mild, sweet, baby-faced 16-year-old Emma, 17 at this time, becomes Baby Spice. She's the youngest. She wore her long blonde hair and pigtails a lot. Mm -hmm. Wore pastel, especially pink baby doll dresses, platform sneakers. Has like this innocent smile. But um, in all their interviews, she was always the first one to make inappropriate comments. (laughs) (laughs) A quick-tempered Mel B becomes Scary Spice. That was uh, me. Which... People always have an issue with the word "scary spice." It's just because she's known for her in-your-face attitude, loud Leeds accent, her pierced tongue, and she had the the leopard print dress. Yes, Mel C actually was a like formally trained gymnast, so she became Sporty Spice. She usually wore a tracksuit paired with athletic shoes. Wore her hair in a high ponytail, showed off her tattoos and her tough girl attitude, um, and got to showcase her athletic abilities on stage by doing back handsprings and high kicks. And then finally, we have Victoria Adams, the only one of the five who grown up rich and not like in poverty. Mm-hmm. She was posh spice because uh, she had money. Right. She had her little choppy brunette Bob, but she was kind of the like one that would stand back and didn't demand all the attention right she always posed with her signature pout and she had like the little black dress form fitting outfits so let's go back to Spice Mania in Britain girls as young as three four and five are begging their moms (laughs) to buy the CDs in store come on mom and the record label had never seen anything like it like they're used to marketing to teenagers Mm -hmm. not to three year olds But you go where the money is. Three-year-olds know what they want, what they really, really want. They really do. So because of this, the band brought on an unprecedented number of corporate sponsorships. The likes Kiss would drool at. (laughs) Um, uh, Spice Girls biographer David Sinclair said, So great was the daily bombardment of Spice images and Spice product that it quickly became oppressive even to people who loved the group. Like... We if we ever talk about overexposure, which we talked about, like mm-hmm. Spice Girls hit it yeah. on album one. Like they they needed to cool their jets a, a little bit, I think. Um it was so bad that they ended up parrying parroting themselves in the music video for the song Spice Up Your Life, which I don't know if you remember it.
0: I think I remember that.
1: It's a futuristic futuristic dystopian city covered in billboards and advertisements for their own band. <laughs> um And skipping ahead a little bit, when they go on the North American leg of the Spice World Tour in 1998, they open up a whole new world of advertising for, like, arena shows. Before this, no one had ever put advertising in a show. Like, Hmm. you remember they don't so do that, that was the
0: first almost like product placement
1: yeah like in the show so they don't yeah. do it so much now even in arena shows but i remember when i went to go see britney spears they play like on the jumbo screens in the stadium there's a video before that's just looping yeah so it will be like the coca-cola logo or the apple logo mm-hmm. no one had ever done that before the spice girls and like simon fuller was like Cha ching money eyeballs yeah. because No kidding. He saw You
0: think the Beatles would have sponsored Wheaties.
1: <laughs> you would think. <laughs> um but Kiss Kiss wishes they had thought of this because
0: No, you know Gene Simmons is between each person he's sleeping with going, drat
1: I could have made more money. Um so these ads they weren't Coca Cola and Apple ads because they were specifically targeted to the very young largely female audience so we got cosmetics the Mm -hmm. film ever after and like candy Mm -hmm. candy brands confectionaries um overall their earnings in the 1990s because of these sponsorships were on par with that of a medium-sized corporation oh jeez and by may 1998 they had on these sponsorships this does not include record sales grossed an estimated 500 to 800 million dollars holy shit this is why they have this is why now they have no desire to do anything right else. they are set they're
0: so rich like they don't need to do a damn thing it,
1: they're so set um so because they're so famous the british media does what they do best uh, fuck everything up <laughs> they create drama for no damn reason mm-hmm. they just start rumors just to start rumors they start rumors that some of the girls were lesbian lovers with each other. I remember hearing that one. Emma Button and Simon Fuller were dating. The group was committing tax evasion. <laughs> Jerry got a boob job. Gotta get him on that tax evasion. And more. <laughs> <Like> and more. <laughs> there's just there's so much more. Um, every single move they made was documented. They If they slept with a guy, the whole world knew. If they didn't sleep with a guy, the whole world knew. But the one that the tabloids focused much on of their attention on was jerry which will come back to bite her later but that's getting ahead of ourselves it also provided for some um just interesting documentation that we have now because it was the 90s and we have the documentation of this when jerry met prince charles she kissed him on the cheek and pinched his butt (laughs) get it get it Get it, Jerry. <laughs> and then she wouldn't curtsy for the queen because her top was so low. She didn't oh want her boobs to fall Oh, my gosh. Out. What did she do? She just, like, I don't know. Stood there? Apparently, it caused caused quite the hubbub in the British You tabloids. have to curtsy to the queen. That's, like, rule number one. And they're British, which is the funniest thing. Like, I could see an American band going over there and being like, I'm not going to do it. I'm too cool for that. But, like, they're British. Yeah. It's just, it's funny to me so by early ni- 1997 they've conquered Britain and they're you know looking to do the same in the US mm-hmm. the classic story we've covered a million times and you know what for once we have the band that does it yes which raises the question Ross is over do women do it better always because so far this is the only one that's, that's broken Slade tried it no I mean Queen tried it but they still weren't as big here as they were in, in their homeland right Um, So, in January 1997, they released Wannabe in the United States, and this proved to be, like, the hit, because it helped them break into the U.S. market. It debuted on the Hot 100 chart at number 11. At the time, I think it's been beat probably by One Direction. Um, It was the highest ever debut by a non-American act. Wow. It beat the previous record held by the Beatles for I Want to Hold Your Hand. And joined the highest entry for a debut act alongside Alanis Morissette's Ironic. That's cool. That's how well received the U.S. took this this song. It was number one in the U.S. for four weeks. Um, and then in February, they released Spice in the U.S., which say I'm so glad we are over the era of albums only being available in specific countries. Because mm-hmm. I would die yes. <laughs> if I could not stream my U.K. or have access to my favorite U.K. artists. Um, once it was released, it became the biggest selling album of 1997 in the U.S., peaked at number one, and was certified seven times platinum in the U.S. The other eight are in the U.K. Wow. There's another seven over here by the RIAA. Um, because they blew up so fast, they got themselves on the cover of Rolling Stone. That, I think it was that October issue. I don't mm-hmm. know why I remember that. It became the best selling issue of all time. Hell yeah. I think it still has that record. Later that same month, to give you a, like, they are moving at a breakneck pace. Mm -hmm. They have no time to chill and they're freaking exhausted. Um, So, that same month after they're blowing up over here, they perform their song, Who Do You Think You Are, to open the 1997 Brit Awards. And this is where Jerry Hollowell walks out wearing a Union Jack mini dress, becomes one of the most iconic outfits of all time. The Outfit. The Outfit. You cannot think of Spice Girls without thinking of The Outfit. Later that same month, they released their first book, Girl Power. Because what else would it be called? Of course. Which is considered the Girl Power Manifesto, launched only at Virgin Megastores. It sold out its initial print run of 200,000 copies within the day. Jeez. And it was eventually translated into more than 20 languages. Wow. In April... Like, we're only in in March of 97. That's crazy. In April, they released One Hour of Girl Power, which is like a DVD accompaniment to the book.
0: I love when things did that.
1: I miss those days. Those were
0: good-ass days. I'm,
1: this is off-topic, but remember when McDonald's used to have VHSs at Halloween? Yes. Fucking love those shorts. Those were so... And
0: you'd get them, like, like you can get them for, like, five bucks with your Happy Meal yes. or something like that. Yeah. Make McDonald's great again. Those were good days.
1: Um so they released this this video it sold 500,000 copies in the UK in two months becoming the best-selling pop video ever and the video itself was eventually certified 13 times platinum Holy
0: which crap. is more than their own album literally they could just like <coughs> sit there
1: they had the Midas touch yes they could breathe on something touch. it was it was the Oprah effect times a million mm-hmm um, so that summer they were like, Ugh, well, I guess we got to release another album and capitalize on success because we have no chill and no one will let us breathe. Um, they start working on this and a couple of days, they, they finish the album. A couple of days before it comes out, they fire Simon Fuller. Oh, OK. Out of the blue was not expected, which, of course, fuels new rumors that things between him and Baby Went had bad. gone sour. And that's why they're doing it um but they you know the public facing story is that it had been four years since the band had formed and they just wanted complete control over their music and their career mm-hmm. and that was how they planned on getting it was getting rid of their manager i don't quite understand that but
0: um i get it at the same time
1: yeah like more power to you for having control and ownership over your music but you need a manager yeah i have no manager i cannot be managed <laughs> Um, but this was seen as the ultimate girl power move Because they didn't need a man to be in control And tell them what to do mm. Fair By fall of 1997 Like if you weren't a Spice Girls fan Were you living under a rock um, Nelson Mandela Even joined the Spice Girls fan Fair Like They met him at some I event. love that he said that he was a huge fan oh which i love um and they really at this time start the f- their quick rise to fame starts to wear on them they felt like they had lived 20 years and four years yeah which they no kidding kind of had and it's similar to the nirvana situation where like n- they didn't get that edge up into fame it's mm-hmm. just like boom the whole world knows your name have fun bye yeah and th- it they just Looking back at the footage, you can tell they are, they are worked the bone, they're exhausted, and in hindsight, this is the beginning of the end, mm-hmm. which is sad. Two years, like, of a career. Um, so they drop Spice World, the second album, in November 1997. Ob- you know, obviously this blew up. Sold seven million copies in two weeks. <laughs> Jeez. Um, one of which was probably my mother, because I remember getting this album for Christmas around that time. Uh, they followed this up with a movie, like a full fledged movie called Spice World, same title as the album, mm-hmm. which was like the boldest of moves because it could have been seen as overkill. It could have been seen as like the cheesiest Oversaturation, thing. Oversaturation, yeah. Yeah, the cheesiest thing to ever face the world, but it became the number one film in England. <laughs> but here's the T Spice World began filming in June and wrapped in August. The film was supposed to be set to the songs in the album, but the album hadn't been written yet when they started filming. And so they were writing the movie and the songs at the same time while they're filming the movie, which was just like a total shit show. Everyone's tired. Everyone's confused. It's a waste of time. Um, And so that's why they wrote Stop, because that was them letting their frustration out with their management. Like, stop right now. Thank you very much, Like I need to breathe, mm-hmm. just have a moment to myself, um but the movie was should have been the biggest flop that England had ever seen, but it turned out to be a sensation uh and like I said, everything they touched turned to gold. They were on top of the world, but things don't last forever. okay, so it's at the top of the charts in Europe. It's doing great, but the United States is like, didn't you just release an album here nine months ago. Mm-hmm. That's a lot, um, but it did give them two simultaneous top 10 albums in the Billboard charts, so that's cool, but they start to suffer after everyone gets over their initial hype of the movie. Mm-hmm. The UK is like, uh, we're kind of tired of Spice Girls. Like Y'all are everywhere, and yeah. the media starts to turn on them, where they used to be like interested in what they were doing and mm-hmm. creating rumors. Now, it's like... Um, they're signing too many sponsorship deals
0: while this is not their fault because it isn't no it it completely is not their fault this is the dangers of oversaturating too fast yes and which the media is causing let it be known but when you oversaturate too fast this is what happens
1: yeah all this has happened in two years this is why some
0: some artists that we've covered are very we're always afraid of that happening yes like counting crows yes like he literally was freaking out because of the situations like this
1: he could have i mean they could have very well ended up like this um so the media starts to criticize them for all the sponsorship deals they've accumulated they had over 20 signed at one time yeah um and then this kind of like creates a waterfall effect where when the media starts criticizing them they see their chart positions start to slip but they still come out of 1998 with the biggest selling pop group of the year um and they they think they're coasting along until the spring of 98, when finally a scandal breaks in the band. Playboy magazine publishes nude photos of Jerry.
0: Oh, yeah, because she was a nude model. Yes.
1: So you may remember, these pictures were taken way before she joined the Spice Girls. She was desperate for cash. She said that a friend came up to her and was like, I know how you can make a lot of money really fast. If you're willing to take your clothes off, like, they'll mm-hmm. pay you uh, She said it was like $500 to sit for 30 minutes. She was like, I fucking need money. Like, sign me up. Yeah. Um, But they didn't really ask her if they could put them in this issue. And it didn't fit the family-friendly image of the Spice Girls. Mm. So this caused quite the, the hullabaloo in the media. In which the, she got the nickname, Slutty Spice.
0: I hate that.
1: Um... And I, I literally wrote my notes, which that's problematic for many reasons, but we don't have time to go into that today. Yeah. And this scandal, the band not knowing that she really, the, I said the band, the group not really knowing she had these photos, them being published without her consent to be published, even though she, she consented to taking them, but like, that was a different time in her life.
0: Yeah. Um, it just she like. She should also have permission to release yes. them that she so chose yes it's weaponizing it against her
1: this all just adds fuel to the fire that is but sp- the spice girls right now things are so bad in the band that mel c actually develops anorexia due to the th- immense pressure she felt only way she could cope with the stress was to work out
0: mm-hmm. like that was the
1: only way she knew how to release her feelings was to go run on a treadmill which caused her to like drop weight so bad um and they're all getting sick. Like, they're managing themselves. They don't know what they're doing. No one's in charge. Jerry's mm-hmm. supposed to be the leader. Like, it's just a shit show. But despite all this, they still go on a tour in Europe in the summer of 98. Not a great decision. Things are going terribly. Jerry misses two shows. She just doesn't show up to these That's huge arena shows. Yeah. Um, And she also misses several public, like, interviews and photo ops that they set up. Mm-hmm. And she just starts telling people, like, once we finish this American leg of the tour, I'm going to quit. But she doesn't even wait for that. On May 31st, 1998, it's like five days before they're supposed to go to the U.S. for their tour. Jerry just, like, calls him up and is like, I'm done. I quit the group. Ugh. Which blew the rest of the band away because they thought things were on the mend. Like, she'd been acting really nice and like, mm-hmm. friendly for the last couple of days. And they thought, we're going to make it to this American tour and, and be great. And they didn't expect her to tw- quit. There's
0: so a lot of upset. Oh, yeah. A lot of upset American girls.
1: Yeah. So the remaining four still went on tour without without Ginger. But suddenly, they're not such a hot item anymore. American fans have bought tickets for the, the five-piece Girl Power Group. And when one of your Girl Power Group leaves the band, like... It's kind of sending mixed signals. You're not actually all in this together mm-hmm. type stuff. Um, to continue the overworking slog that they're put through while on tour in the U.S., they are still writing and recording new material. They end up releasing a new song called Goodbye right before Christmas in 1998. This was seen as like a farewell to Jerry, but they had actually written it when Jerry was still part of the group. Mm-hmm. So it was just really bad timing to release it. Right. That same year... Um, Mel B and Victoria Adams announced that they're both pregnant. Mel B was married to dancer Jimmy Golzer. They actually changed her her stage name to Mel G for a brief period Mm -hmm. but that was confusing. She gave birth to her daughter Phoenix in February 1999. Victoria, as we know, uh, her baby daddy is David Beckham. Mm -hmm. They later get married. She gives birth to her son Brooklyn and they get married in a Very public wedding In Ireland And immediately become The UK's golden couple That can Mm -hmm. do no wrong
0: For Uh, a long time
1: For a very long time Very
0: very 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 long time
1: I don't know I think they just like Faded because they just Stopped making public appearances Yeah pretty much But their kids give
0: A little more pick up Yeah These days
1: So from 1998 onwards They're kind of The band still exists In a formal sense But all five of them are moving on to solo careers. Mm -hmm. Um, Within the next year, Emma, Mel B, Mel C, and Jerry, so everyone but Victoria, have released music as solo artists, which is crazy. They, the group being the four that, without Jerry, did come back to the studio in August 1999 after an eight month recording break. They did their third studio album forever. It came out in November 2000. It's there. That's all you need to know. It's it, it just didn't do anything. It didn't do anything. It peaked at number 39 on the Billboard 200, like, compared to the success they to had. To be
0: fair, though, like, boy and girl groups were fading out in general
1: by 2000 yeah yeah
0: and it was becoming like this solo artist like you were talking about like that's when justin timberlake was starting to get his launch and yeah and of course you know christina and britney were just yeah taking over the airwaves at that point
1: they thought they could do it but if you're gonna go on your own you have to be good like you Mm -hmm. can't hide behind your other band members um it also had an r&b sound and it just it didn't go over well um so they Like, had a promo plan in place, but once it started to not chart very well, they they put everything on pause in December 2000 and started an indefinite hiatus. And then all was quiet for seven years. Like, no one really heard anything out of them Mm -hmm. about the Spice Girls. On June 28th, 2007, the Spice Girls, including Jerry Hollowell, held a press conference at the O2 Arena. Revealing that they were going to reunite and do a tour called Return of the Spice Girls. Creative name. Each member of the group was reportedly paid 10 million pounds. No kidding. Which at the time was 20 million dollars to do the reunion tour. During this tour, they filmed an official documentary called Giving You Everything. It's actually really well done, um, which was sponsored by BBC One. Mm-hmm. If anyone wants to check it out, it's on YouTube. It's, it's pretty well done. If you're into that kind of thing, ticket sales for the first London date, because there would be more of this tour. Take a guess at how fast they sold out. 30 minutes. No. An hour. Nope. Five minutes. 38 seconds. You're fucking kidding. (laughs) No. The demand was so high, they added 16 additional dates just in London and all sold out within one minute holy hell name a band that the only other band i can even think of that could do that and sell at 16 shows is one direction yeah like i don't even think back in the day just because the way ticketing was set up and stuff queen couldn't do that Mm -hmm. it's crazy the power that these girls had um they did shows in the u.s in vegas la and san jose those sold out they added additional dates in chicago detroit and boston those sold out they added a second show in new york that sold out like they could have just kept going for months in the u.s Mm -hmm. and every show would have sold out this is where we get the comeback single friendship never ends which is officially called headlines which i think is a dumb title Mm -hmm. it's friendship never ends um, and they announced this as the official charity and need s- charity single for 2007. And they performed that and stop on the Victoria's Secret fashion show that year, which in 2007, I would say, was one of the biggest stages. Yeah. In the world. We weren't live streaming Coachella yet. Right. <laughs> so in 2010, the group collaborated with this is I forgot this was in here. I blocked this from my memory. They co- collaborated with Fuller, Jody Kramer and Jennifer Saunders to develop a Spice Girls stage musical, Viva Forever, similar to Mamma Mia.
0: I don't remember this.
1: They uh, use the group's music to create an original story. Uh, so, the musical is based on a band member named Viva, who lives on a houseboat. The story starts when her band gets through the audition stages of a reality TV show. Oh my gosh. The band gets through multiple rounds of auditions, but on the final round, Viva gets through without her bandmates. As Viva follows her dreams, Viva Forever charts her journey into the world of overnight celebrity and its impact on her mother and the friends she thought she'd have forever. When the show first opened, it included 23 musical numbers. 23. That's that's too many. That's a song
0: like every three minutes. It's
1: just songs, I feel like. Um, It obviously featured some of the the Spice Girls' biggest hits, including the mashup of Mama and Goodbye, Mm -hmm. as well as two solo songs, I Turn to You by Mel C and Look at Me by Jerry Hallowell. Don't know why they're in there. So if you're thinking, wow, that sounds bad, please know you're not alone. The Daily Telegraph wrote, I'll tell you what I wanted, what I really, really wanted. I wanted this terrible show to stop. Viva Forever <laughs> oh, that's has That's a good joke. <laughs> Viva Forever has absolutely no redeeming features whatsoever. The show is not just bad. It's definitively, monumentally, and historically bad. <laughs> <laughs> the guardian wrote the real problem is the songs for one thing there aren't enough memorable hits in a career that lasted for three albums to support two hours of theater right which is fair it did not make it past the trial stages i'm sure but i had to include it because it sounds terrible i would love to hear a cast recording just once <laughs> <laughs> so um in august 2012 the london olympics happened i remember this and despite like no Olympic opening ceremony has topped the moment the Spice Girls walk out completely unannounced, correct? And do a medley of "Wannabe" and "Spice Up Your Life" while zooming around in that little car. Like yep. it was just
0: yep. And don't forget, Mr. Bean was there playing
1: the p- <laughs> playing the piano. I forgot he was there. <laughs> um, this became the most tweeted moment of the 2012 Olympics, garnering 116,000 tweets per minute
0: no kidding i remember watching that and i was like this is monumental what is happening
1: it was i still watch it i'm just like yeah that slaps like Mm -hmm. nothing will top this um in july 2016 emma mel b and jerry released a video celebrating the 20th anniversary of wannabe and teased news from them as a three-piece which okay uh victoria now beckham And Mel C opted not to partake in the project, but gave their blessing for the three to do what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And they wrote a new song called song for her that like leaked online because the whole project got canceled because Jerry got pregnant. Mm -hmm. So sorry, three piece spice girls. You weren't meant to be in May, 2019, they began their spice world tour, which was a 2019 tour of the UK and Ireland. Uh, I just It just clicked that it's not called Spice World Tour because it's touring the world. It's because it's the name of the album. Anyway, uh, they started that in Ireland. Victoria did not join due to commitments because she's got this booming fashion business just right. going on. She's on a side quest now. She's completed the main objective. <laughs> um, each of the four participating members was paid 12 million pounds for the tour. Jeez. They, they have so much money. They really do.
0: Like, for people who started with, like, nothing, I'm happy for that.
1: I'm very happy. They got what they wanted and they got out. Like, yeah. I see nothing wrong with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about their legacy and their impact. The Spice Girls broke onto the music scene at a time when alt rock, hip hop, and R&B were dominating the charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the group's first ever interview in May 1996, Jerry told Music Week, We want to bring some of the glamour back to pop, like Madonna had when we were growing up. Pan- pop is about fantasy and escapism, but there's so much bullshit around at the moment. Music was very serious in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. We needed some fun up in there. And they obviously are the ones who have paved the way for girl groups and most female pop singers who have come after oh, 100%. them. 100%. Unlike previous girl groups, such as the Andrews Sisters, whose target market was males, uh, the Spice in Girls... In the 40s? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't know if you were talking about those Andrews Yeah, sisters.
1: traditionally, up until this point... Women have made music for men. Right. Spice Girls redefined the girl group concept by making music for young girls and for women to empower them. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. We all got radicalized at the age of six. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? That fire stayed. (laughs) It worked. Um, So after the Spice Girls kind of like jumped to success overnight, managers and record labels all over the UK were like, shit, we got to get on this. We got to do our own version of this. So for the next year, thirty-five girl groups were created in the UK in nineteen ninety nine alone. This includes All Saints Bewitched, Atomic Bewitched. Kitten
0: That was the one I was thinking about.
1: Atomic Kitten Slaps. Girl Thing, Girls at Play, Girls Aloud, and the Sugar Babes, all hoping to emulate the Spice Girl's success. Um, Disney even made their own version of this. The Cheetah Girls. <gasps> the <laughs> Cheetah
0: Girl Let me tell you, first off, a friend of mine her cousin was one of the cheetah girls what yeah um, i
1: idolized this cheetah girl i can't think
0: of her name right now but she had the curly golden hair
1: mm-hmm.
0: she that one is mm-hmm. her cousin but yeah like the cheetah girls that album
1: uh, it still slaps to this day it was perfect i throw it on sometimes um that is a direct response to spice culture we're still seeing the influence of the Spice Girls in modern-day girl groups, such as the Pussycat Dolls, Little Mix, Fifth Harmony, and Haim. Mm-hmm. Even solo female artists are, like, people who are coming out now are citing Spice Girls as one of their biggest influences, such as Jess Glynn, Foxes, Charlie XCX, Rita Ora, Billie Eilish, and Beyonce. Adele even credits the Spice Girls as a major influence in regard to her love and passion for music, saying, they made me what I am today. Aww. We would not have Adele without the Spice Girls. That's true. Some of their awards and recognition, just just some small stuff. Small fry. Um, in 2000, they received the Brit Award for Outstanding Contribution to Music, making them the youngest recipients of this award, whose previous winners included... Such small names as Elton John, Mm. The Beatles, and Queen. Holy shit. (laughs) They are the biggest selling British act of the 1990s. They outsold their peers, including Oasis and Prodigy. They have produced a total of nine number one singles in the UK, which is... This is so cool. Tied with ABBA, Behind Take That, who has 11, The Shadows, who have 12, Madonna, who has 13... Westlife, who has 14, Cliff Richard, who has 14, The Beatles, who have 17, and Elvis, who have 21. Wow. Uh, And Spice, the album, is the 18th biggest selling album of all time in the UK, with over 3 million copies sold and topped the charts for 15 non-consecutive weeks, which is the most by an all-female group in the UK. And that is the Spice Girls.
0: That was a nice trip down memory lane. A
1: little different, a little nostalgic. I remember
0: we were passing around the Bewitched um, cassette tape at a friend's birthday party.
1: I didn't get into Bewitched. Atomic Kitten is on the Lizzie McGuire soundtrack, though. Oh, is it? The t- Their their cover of The Tide is High. Oh, okay. I listened to that album quite a bit. And Morgan, if you're listening, that movie still slaps. <laughs> I guarantee you Morgan's listening to this episode. We rewatched it and she, she didn't. Shout out out to Morgan Kane,
0: One of me and Leah's best friends She makes the best cookies Thank you for listening You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts Spotify and Good Pods Special thanks to Death of Fawn for our intro riff Which sounds really weird putting in a Spice Girls Episode but we're going with it you can visit our website at SheWillRockYou.com. There you'll find our social information, show notes, contact us, and some merch. Maybe we'll make a Girl of Power shirt. Who should? knows? Other than that, don't do drugs.
1: Don't do drugs.